Welcome to another episode of Live Sound Bootcamp, where we cover all aspects of live sound in detail. I'm Brendan Draper, here as always with my co-hosts, Joe Santarpia and Ryan John. Ahoy. Hello. I, I kind of missed the really sarcastic intro where every one of us says something really stupid. That's, no, this is the pause right here for you guys to do. When I, the, the after stupid. I say your names, you guys can like say something stupid or burp. Or you mean like the whole podcast, basically? Yeah. <laughs> Ready? Go. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Now, now that we've done the intro, we can be stupid. So there's there's two things I do want to point out, though, before we get really deep into this. One, Brendan's facial hair. Well, yeah, first of all, Brendan's got a beard, and it yeah. actually looks really good. You look like it you're really turning does. into a lumberjack. Can you hear it? Yeah. Can you hear I, it in my I voice? I can hear it. it yeah, your sound's sounding. a little bit hairy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, of course these jokes had to come along. Some t- uh, I, might, no, I, might, no, I might have to edit a little bit more because my mustache and my beard might brush against... Yeah. Yeah, you get a nice like. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's like the snare snare brush yeah. sound. I can't. Except. I can't do it. I just shaved. <laughs> you can just rub your face against the microphone. <laughs> that might, yeah, it's, it's might weirdly. It weirdly doesn't have a lot of noise. It's like, I don't know. It's PR forty, man. I'll tell you. No, mine. Mine. Mine sounds like. Mine sounds like a. a oh my gosh! What do you call it? Velcro. Oh, I hear yeah. that. Yeah, I, don't I, don't know you know if the, you I can hear, it, hear it that. Gnarly. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, you got the scratch going. Is, yeah, you got the nice Velcro sound over there. This yeah, is good. the AS, this is the ASMR podcast. We're actually what is what does your pivoting. face sound like? <laughs> so no, no. But the two things I wanted to point out: one, Joe, tell me about the contraption you made to mute your mouse. <laughs> oh yeah. So so I moved. I moved, and I'm in a new uh, little spot. You know, a little studio thing that I have set up in my new apartment. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a Jamco box. A small uh, cardboard box with uh, a towel and a t-shirt draped over it uh, with a little opening so that I can stick my hand in uh, to prevent the sound of the click. I cannot hear it. No. can't hear no, it at your, all. Your machine, your machine and your thing is so good that I can't hear the click in your mouse. Right. It did crash my Pro Tools when <laughs> I did that, however. <laughs> I'm recording again, guys. Sorry about that. Cool. <laughs> So uh, just for a recap, everybody that is you know listening to this, Joe clicked his mouse in his amazing muting mouse box, soundproof box, and it yeah. crashed everything. It crashed everything. It Look, it was I, so soundproof that it said, "You may not record sound." <laughs> Truthfully, I'm on a jank rig right now. Like I don't even know if this version of Pro Tools like is like matched up with the OS. It might be all kinds of. It works most of the time, and I did test this earlier. But of course, you know, it's a good thing. This podcast isn't about recording from your house or like right. your home studio setup. Yeah, because yeah. then well, you definitely well, wouldn't want to listen to us. Here's the important question, Joe. Would you use this rig to record a live show as it is set up now? Um, I have, but, uh, but oh, like dear not God, yeah, yeah no, <laughs> not in instances where it like not in instances where it mattered. You know, it's just like oh yeah, you know, I've got multi track here. You kind of threw I'll it throw up. It up. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know what? I'll tell you what. Uh, about. Uh, 40 to 60% of the time it it fucks up. So <laughs> that just goes yeah. to show you. Right. It's time it's time for a new rig, guys. I know, okay? D- please don't Fair shame enough. me, all right? <laughs> I don't appreciate it. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I uh, I just switched to a different rig. I mean, every time we were recording this podcast before, I had my mic running through my S6L console here in the house and that whole rig on just to record this one mic for the podcast. It was a little Damn. unreasonable. Was your electric so bill uh 
Yeah. I don't know. They probably don't yeah. actually even draw that much, but <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, no, when do because I have stage racks in here too. It's ridiculous. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I, yeah, it was, it definitely affected my electric bill, but more so than that, the room would hit like 85 degrees in like five minutes and just stay that way. <laughs> it was rough. It was rough. Damn. I sweated it out with you guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you did. That's dedication. It's a good way to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's a live sound podcast, right? You got to use live console to record the podcast. Yeah. I usually sweat when I'm at a show, you know, running around. Yeah, you have to put it all keep that. it real. Yeah. Yeah, you have to put yourself in that environment to be able to talk about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just drenched. So, you know, we posted podcasts recently, but it's been a while since we've recorded one. So, Brendan, tell me what you've been up to the past X amount of time. I'm going to say X amount of time because nobody that's listening to this actually knows how much time it's been between our recording and podcast. So, we won't let them know. Well... It's our dirty secret. What have I been doing? <laughs> I've been... Oh, I went to a cabin and recorded an album with a band. So that was super fun. Whoa. Cool. You, you brought a personal rig up. Yeah. And... I brought my Midas and a, I've been actually volunteering at this church doing their like live streams for the Sunday services, but they have a ton of nice mics and preamps and cables and anything you could want for like a little studio. So they let me borrow that. I took it up to a cabin in Gualala and me and this like nine piece band recorded like eight songs and then a few like video shoot things. Very cool. Yeah. It was, it was super fun. How'd it come out? So far so good. They're, they're doing overdubs at home and then I'm going to mix it, but yeah, they all tracked, tracked live and they're, they're a really solid, like Neo soul band. They're called a speakeasy. If you want to look it up. Cool. Just with a no Y at the end, just a, an E. Speak easy. easy. Did you find any aspects of doing that remote recording like particularly challenging? Did like anything stand out as like this is tough or different or weird? Or? Um, not really. I mean, getting people's headphones right was like the most, cha- I guess, for setup. Just like I didn't have like a, a headphone system that's super easy to just like run one cable in between every single one. Right. So we kind of like, mm-hmm. I asked them to bring their own like mixers if they have them, like little tiny ones, and then just ran XLRs from my console. So, so you were doing monitors on top of Oh, recording. yeah, 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 yeah. Each of them had like a little personal mixer that I sent stuff to. So you were basically a monitor engineer that happened to capture the show. Basically. Right. Yeah. So what you're telling me is you did a gig. I did a gig. I did a... (laughs) Hey, congrats. A four-day gig. Wow. It's like a music festival. Yeah. (laughs) With one band. One band. In a cabin. Mm -hmm. That's a dream. That's a a great gig, actually. It's kind of like one of those little bucket list things. You know, record an album in a cabin. Yeah. Uh, Do you have any idea roughly when they're hoping to release it? I think they're going to... They, I don't think they're going to put it out as a full album. I think they're going to like release singles every like few months or something like that. So probably, I think sometime mid-2021, they'll start putting stuff out. Very cool, man. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Uh, when it comes out, you know, let me know. And I will. We'll, we'll, we'll rep it on the podcast I will, here too. If, if shows start again this year, then I imagine I'll be doing shows with them too whenever that, Very cool. that starts going. How about yourself, Joe? Anything exciting going on lately? Oh, man, you know, well, you uh, moved. I moved. That's that's cool. Yeah, uh, my girlfriend and I got a new apartment. Um, continuing my uh, education in uh, electronics uh, with, at CCSF. That's been a lot of fun. A couple recording mixing projects. Uh, me and my my uh, partner Roberto, we mixed a record by the band Ton Starts Bandit. Uh, that'll be out on Mexican Summer sometime this year. 
And cool. a couple other small recording projects with local bands and so, and uh, things of that nature, but pretty mellow since the last time we spoke. Nice. How I about mean, you? Mellow's good. Um, in terms of gigs and stuff like that, I had a couple live stream things that, um, that I did. Uh, maybe two or three were actually in a venue where they did real-time live streams and out like that. And then uh, went down to LA and did a bunch of private live stream things, things that went out to corporate. I think I did maybe three of those. I mean, the whole thing's so complicated right now. People yeah. are still just so unsure how to do it. So, you know, we're getting in and everybody's getting multiple coronavirus tests before being allowed in the building. And then once uh-huh. you're in the building, like you can't really leave because, you know, you're interacting with all these people. Everyone's trying to stay socially distanced. Nobody's allowed to touch microphones that anyone's singing into. You know, it's mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's complicated. But, you know, keeping it to a really limited number of people, limited number of musicians and stuff, everyone's trying to make it work. So I got to do a couple of those. It's cool. There will be, you know, undoubtedly a whole set of new procedures that we're all uh, going to be following soon, you know, uh, once yeah. gigs gigs do do start to, you know, happen again more and more. Um, and yeah, that's a whole, you know, that's a whole curriculum right, la- right there. Um, I know IATSE released some guidelines on the matter and then various uh, film commissions and things like mm-hmm. that are starting to uh, produce, you know, uh, documents that outline everything. But um, yeah, you know, uh, sanitizing mics. We're going to have to be doing right. all kinds of shit like that. There's a good chance that there will be crew members dedic- you know, on on gigs dedicated to COVID compliance for, yeah, for a while. Yeah, there'll be sanitation you know? and, and compliance crew for sure. Yeah, yeah, you know. And, um, and when so, I say sanitation, I don't mean janitors this time. I mean no? like, like yeah. high level sanit- sanitation straight and, up like, people paid to yeah. go around with you know uh antibacterial and viral cleaners and wipe everything down you know high touch points and stuff like that so that's uh, yeah. that's a whole world we're about to be getting into and maybe we could do an episode on it sometime you know yeah it'll, it'll make sense to do that i mean even in the context of the 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 streams I've done that are in venues. The the mm-hmm. procedure for how it's happened is so different than a normal gig. It's not like yeah. there's just loading and it happens and everything happens at the same time and then you start the gig. It might be band arrives, no one else is allowed to be there. Stagehands help them get their stuff on stage. Once their stuff's on stage, they leave and then, you know, maybe audio crew comes up. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's you kind of pre prep everything in separate stages so you can get like lines run sub snakes and stuff then band comes out and does their thing then they leave and then you run xlrs and mics mm. and that and then minimize they interaction and minimize, and yeah exactly yeah. it's more like you're minimizing the groups of people interacting with each other because of yeah. course audio needs Pods. to interact with audio right but then yeah artist that interacts with with artist and then um other than that we kind of stay on opposite ends of you know electronic connections you know <laughs> right right it's uh it's interesting you know, so, and separated by testing, you know, like constant testing if it's like a long-term thing, right. you know. It's, right, right. So it's, uh, it'll be a new, a new fun reality, you know. Um, but at least, it's, at least some stuff's happening. You know, as much as it's a pain in the ass, it's really interesting to see people interacting with one another again. And mm-hmm. for the most part, everyone's being pretty amazing to each other. Everyone's just so grateful to be able to do these gigs. And everyone is trying so hard to do these gigs and make sure that they can come back safely. Mm-hmm. that they are spending the extra effort to be really, you know, respectful and work at their best. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, you know? I have a feeling that that feeling of like gratefulness, like for just music and events in general is kind of going to, it's going to be like really heavy when everything comes back because we're just all going to be so happy to like experience those yeah. things as groups again, which yeah. no one's going to be, no one's going to be walking around slumped over all jaded, you know, and cranky for the, at least the first month, you know? <laughs> I might be. 
<laughs> but that's just because I'm. That's just that's because you're like. still doing gigs, and you're. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I never got to stop. I never got to have a break and complain about. It. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. Right. Just kidding. So, so what are we talking about today? All right. So yeah, we're we're continuing this this building in front of house mix. Um, yeah. You know, this Grouping. was supposed to be a two part episode. <laughs> this the was? whole the whole building in front of house was supposed to be um, two parts. I think I think we all had a hunch that 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 wasn't going to happen that it was going to be at least three <laughs> but the fact that it's five yeah you're right that's that's a bit much well with that said i mean maybe this one will be short ish I, no. I i i have the inclination that it'll be short i wouldn't bet i wouldn't bet on it all right. though all right all right so we what are we count. doing no promises grouping and vcas baby okay so i guess we need to start with with explaining what they are right um Groups, VCAs, you know, they're a manner of getting a bunch of channels through a single channel of sorts, right? Yeah. So um, I guess I'll take on groups. So groups specifically, also called subgroups by some people, also called busing by some people. There's a lot of terms for this kind of thing. Uh, stems, same kind of idea. The idea is ultimately you can take a bunch of input channels and route them through one group, if you will. It's an alternate channel type, wherein... In, in an analog world, actual signal passes through that group. In a digital world, it's you know, a little different, obviously, right? But the idea is that that group, single fader, can control, can control a sum of multiple inputs. And what makes groups different from VCA is that on a group, you can put an EQ on it. You can put a compressor. It will have an insert point. You can actually put a piece of processing there that will change the sound of that sum of all the inputs. Is, is that is that kind of cover it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd say so. You know, it's uh, it's the signal. At least in the analog world, the signal physically passes through it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, I guess in a digital world, you can kind of mentally assume the signal passes through it, right? I right, mean, obviously right. it's ones and zeros, right? But mm-hmm. the the main difference there is that all your channels that are assigned to that group, the audio actually sums and goes through that group. And on that group, you have the option to add things like EQ, compression, effects, whatever it may be. You can actually process the audio as a group. Right. Are there any terms I missed? You know, I, what did I say? Submix, stem? I wanted to ask you something about the terminology, Ask actually. For, sure. When you call it a bus, can you call like an aux send? Is that also a bus? Just It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any, anywhere the signal can travel is a bus. So really the only difference between an aux send and a group is that an aux send has a variable level, right? You can turn it from minus infinity up to, I don't know, plus 20, depending on whatever the desk is, right? You have a variable level. Right. A group, effectively, is an on-off switch. So you turn it on at unity, or you turn it off. And both of them can be kind of treated the same way. I mean, you could use a group to send to effects. You could use a group to send to, I don't know, a subwoofer. But the only difference, really, is that you don't get uh, that variable level. Right. So basically, if, if you like inserted a reverb effect on a group's insert and you sent everything to that group, it's kind of like your wet signal returning. Yeah, yeah. You, you could totally do that. The only difference is that you don't get to choose how much of any signal you send into right. it. Instead, it's just All either on or off. The, fa- the yeah. fader feeds it rather than right. an aux knob or something right, like right, that. Right. right. And groups are pretty much, I, I don't know if there's an alternate to this, but pretty much always post-fader. Right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I don't know if I can think of a group that is prefade. I, I don't mm. know if I can think of a console that lets you do that. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't. Well, I mean, that. not to get into specifics, but maybe it might uh, an analog Midas that had has like the the, the aux is 
Well, no, the oxes and the groups are like variable. Like you can switch between it for each bus. It'll be like 24 buses right. and which you yeah, make yeah. whichever one's oxes. And maybe there would, I don't know if I'm right in this, but I, maybe you know there what? would be. I, I, it might be possible sure. is all I'm saying. I, I'm yeah. not even sure if on those it lets you, once you assign it to group, I think it automatically makes a post fader. Post fader. Yeah. You're probably But right. I'm not, I'm not sure. Either, either yeah, way though, the gist is the majority of use case here, it's post channel fader is what's feeding to that group. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, Joe, what's 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 a group you use in in your usual show? I, you know, I like to I like to kind of use groups as stems in general, you know, and mm-hmm. and kind of route everything through groups because I'll do a lot of group processing even if it's just like a hint of EQ um but or or you know, or or at least just to have the option, you know, like mm-hmm. even if you know, even if I'm on a nice rig and everything's flat on the groups, at least like if I need to go just quickly dump a lot of something out of the whole drum kit or something like that, it's like I have that option. Mm-hmm. Um, and also parallel compression. You know, I feel like that's a a good place for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 these are both assuming digital. You know, and and we had talked maybe a little bit before about this too, but in the analog world, uh, you might you know, you might be limited by routing options. So you might do, do something like, you know, uh, make, if you have two kick channels, you know, bust them, them to a group and have a kick group so you can gate and compress them together or same thing for snares, you know, or something like that. Um, yeah. And then there's, and then there's the, uh, the, you know, the, the typical effects group, you know, the effects returns right. group. I, I like that a lot. Cause then I can EQ all the effects together. You know, if I have some big, crazy, you know, affected reverb delay thing, you know, you know, the, the, some stuff might build up in like, you know, the low end, the low mid, low mid range, something like that. And, uh, it's nice to just like have, you know, instead of having to like EQ five returns or four returns or whatever it is, just go and dump it all Um, on the group, you know? Yeah. So things like that. I was going to agree. Like the, with multi, with multi-miking, multi-miked instruments like kick drum, snare. Yeah. In both digital and analog, i I find that super useful to group them to just yeah. like process them as like a sing almost like a, it's a single channel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially right. with dynamics that, you know, it, it dynamics on a transient instrument like that, it'll, it'll make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. You know, regarding kick and snare, I mean, you know, in, in terms of grouping, I always put kicks, multiple mics into a group, snares, multiple mics into a group. And for me, the reason is if I want to compress either of those, Having a compressor on a kick in and a compressor on a kick out, even if they're on the same setting, they tend to react a little bit differently just because there is, I don't know, a time differential and like just difference in the two signals. And I find that that doesn't sound as cohesive, as tight, as round, if you will, as putting one compressor on the group instead. It just reacts better, in my opinion. Same for a snare. I would say it reacts more consistently. You know what right, I mean? Yeah, uh, right. you're, you're, you're having two different dynamics processes on two different sources, you know, and all the changes that can occur within that. Whereas when you put them together, it kind of, you know, they kind of um, will balance each other out, so to speak, if, I don't know. Although I will say in the, in the analog world, though, I would insert, you know, kick in, kick out gate on a two-channel unit and hit the stereo, stereo link button, button so that my, yeah. my left channel, my kick in, would be the yeah. one opening both or compressing both. So at least the response was identical. with Identical. The, right. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, and on a digital console, you could key the gate of one of them to the other one. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess regarding gating, I, I always gate on individual channels 
but I will compress on groups. Uh, and that might just be because I might want a longer release, let's say, for snare bottom mm -hmm. than snare top or right. kick out versus kick in, that kind of stuff. It's really just a tonal thing. But yeah, I, I still use the heck out of groups there. I mean, I, as you said, Joe, I use groups on almost everything. But it's actually more than just um, just using them on everything because uh, I like reducing the number of faders under my finger because obviously that's nice. But also, I record stems of my groups a lot. Mm -hmm. So I'll have my whole drum kit go to the recorder as well, like post-processing, my whole bass go to the, the recorder, my guitar stem, keys stem, just in case someone ever wants it, I have it. I mean, we're in a world yeah. now where like it's so easy to record this stuff and hard drive space is not expensive. Yeah. I might as just well do capture it. that stuff as well. So I mean, I think it's only come up a handful of times ever where someone's needed it. Like maybe we had a fill-in keys player for one gig. I just sent him a keys stem or sent him a stem of the whole band minus keys so he could kind of jam along to learn, you know? That's cool. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. I got a question for you guys. If you're limited on the number of groups you have the capability of doing, what's your like first, second choice? Uh, quit the gig and get a gig that's not limited. <laughs> <laughs> Band, vocal, <laughs> vocal compressor, like parallel, and effects. Those are my four. Oh. Can I get four? Is that enough? Four. Is that too much? You got four. Well, four mono. You got four, four mono. mono, yeah. Four, mo <laughs> four mono? Oh, shit. Uh, okay, so it's just vocal, vocal comp, and... Uh, and then we're going mono effects that day. All right. Right. Okay. I could see that. So you said main vocal, vocal compress. So you can get a parallel compress there. Mm. Yeah. Right. And then you said mono effects. Yeah. But that was. So you still have one more. Yeah, What's one your more, fourth? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I guess, you know, it, it would be some, um, something I was going to process together, you know? It'd be like, right. yeah, kicks, kicks or snares or something. Well, yeah, I, I figure if that's what I add, I'd probably also take a kick snare double bus, compress the snot out of it, and blend that in on right. the last group, you know? You know, the kick snare move is a good move because, you know, 90% of the time, they're not hitting both at the same time. Right, So sure. you can find, and, and like, you know, those are kind of like the two big drums, you know? So you can kind of find a spot a lot of times with the, the threshold where it's like kind of works with both. Mm -hmm. right. So that's not, that's not a bad move either. I mean, Brandon, what about you? If you had four comps, or, or sorry, four groups, mm -hmm. what would you do with them? In the past, what I've done is I'll do a like a stereo vocal group, and I'll actually sum the, I'll send the effects that the vocals are going to, their returns to that group with the, the <laughs> vocals. So I'll send them all to there. And then I'll kind of use the, the main left, right as like my band group, if you will. And then maybe mm -hmm. I'll do like just drums to like another stereo group or kick on one and snare on the other or like all the guitars to like a stereo group or something like that. And then just use the, the main left right, right for everything else. Yeah. I feel like if you're doing, if you were, you know, actually limited to four groups, then you have, you, you pretty much have to be on like a mix wizard or something analog. You, and well, you'd be on, you'd be on something small. So like, Okay, this is getting I'm, really. I'm, I'm kind of. I'm kind of like the scenario is like you're mixing monitors from front of house, and you've got like a small yeah. like digital desk or something like that. It's, well, also it's like it, the place is tiny, and like maybe there's no guitars in the PA, you know. Yeah, so right. it really depends. Yeah, on it what's depends. Going on, it depends on the PA, yeah. the room, blah 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 blah. <laughs> You know, if, if I look back to when I was doing gigs on like the Mackie CRs and, and, and a mix wizard, I don't, I'm not even sure it was out at the time, but anyways, when I was doing the gigs on those kind of things, we did only have four groups on, on yeah. the desk's output. Right. And I remember I would 
take group one uh, and two as kick snare because I only had a two-channel compressor slash gate. And I would put it on group one, two, and then another compressor gate was on group three, four. Those are the two units we had, were two two-channel compressor gates. Mm-hmm. And rather than having to unplug them under the desk and kind of like do this, they were just yeah. they just lived on group one, two, three, four, right? So, and then you just routed whatever you needed to those. And you route whatever That's a great you idea. to those. So, right, yeah. I would use... Uh, I don't know, kick to group one so I could, you know, gate it nicely, snare to group two. So I don't know, maybe I'd gate it, but I'd definitely put a compressor on it. And then three was kind of like the, I don't know what I'm going to do. Four was always a double bus vocal, right? And it's because when you're talking something like that, usually you're in a room that's small. Usually you're in a room with not enough PA. Mm -hmm. And usually you're trying to find a way to get your vocal over a band. True. Yeah. Right? So I had my vocal routed to left, right. And then I'd also route it to group four and sometimes also group three. And those were kind of like like my my extra gas vocal. Mm -hmm. Right. right. And, you know, they might be compressed. They might not. But it all kind of depends on what you needed at the time. It's like if you were in a spot where you just really need to get that vocal over a bunch of noise in the room. I always chuck it in all of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Chuck it in all of them and like do something a little bit different with them. So that's not literally just volume increase, but maybe density increase or whatever, you know? Yeah. But yeah, groups. The good um, old days. The good old Mm -hmm. days. It's funny because like I don't even think about things like being limited to groups anymore. Um, because nowadays with digital systems, it's you, you're, you're, you're pretty. I just want to make sure our podcast was still relating to, you know, the people that everyone that's in the <laughs> in the bar venue and you know all that we, we are, are you saying not everybody has 256 in your buses? ivory tower <laughs> that they use your all ivory s6l towers <laughs> right i will say i have maxed out the buses on my desk before but you crazy not, bro nah it's 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 kind of because you can rather than because you need to like a lot of this stuff man is because you can rather than you need to right yeah yeah well, yeah, maybe that's that. That's a, an important conversation too. Just like, <laughs> just <laughs> because it's there doesn't mean you have to use it. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's totally true, right? I mean, in the context of me saying I can, so I do. It's because I also have a rig here, and I can test out a million different ideas, try stuff, see if it works or whatever, and find what does, and actually and find apply what it. does, find what doesn't, and also. I'm in a scenario where I'm able to go, well, for this song, I want it to sound like a vintage Motown snare. For this song, I want it to sound like this. For this song, I want it to sound like this. And I'll use a bunch of groups and things like that to achieve completely different tones for different songs. That's not relevant to 99.9% of people. In fact, it probably shouldn't even be relevant to me, but I'm doing it because I'm going to edit it out. Edit it out of this podcast. I don't want anyone to even (laughs) know that you told anyone that. No, yeah, it makes perfect sense. You know, in a recording, in a mix for a recording, you automate the shit out of it. You know, there's different tracks for different textures. You know, Uh, we're getting to the point now with live sound technology where you can kind of execute shit like that you know and right. and with the automation component too snapshots yeah. you like, hear yeah. that at, at great but, shows too like i heard i was at a show where they played like their first album from like 20 years ago and it sounded like that but then when they yeah. got to the modern songs it like the sound had totally sound shifted big, throughout yeah. the show yeah yeah and and to be honest you know when people do this on records uh you know you can automate plugins you can automate levels pans and stuff when you're doing it live it's a lot harder to do those detail yeah. things with automation but if you duplicate channels and put them on other channels or other groups you just mute unmute and you can effectively yeah. get the same kind of automation you've done in you know a studio recording but you've just done it by using more channels or using more groups because it's way easier for us to manage on offs or fade than it is to manage like 
getting it, deep redoing into, a whole EQ or something. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just have it set on four. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, three different channels on the same source, you know, and use one at a time as as needed kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I toured with Mayor Hawthorne for a bit. Mayor Hawthorne does a lot of like very Motown sounding stuff. And then in addition to that, he's got kind of like 90s R&B sounding stuff and kind of modern R&B sounding stuff. And when I did that gig, I remember we uh, had multiple kick mics, multiple snare mics. And for certain songs, we used these super dirty old snare mics. And yeah. then for other songs, we used the kind of modern sounding stuff because we didn't have the option to like switch out snare in between songs. I mean, I guess technically we could have, but it was just complicated. You know, it's more stuff to yeah. carry, especially if you're doing fly dates. You can't rent five snares and hope that they all actually achieve the sound you want, you know? But yeah, multiple channels, multiple groups, that kind of thing. So Brendan, what's a VCA? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good, that was a, you, you turn, you turn the car Here we around. go, transition like we yeah, were we're, about we're, to... we're going off we're a close. ravine. We're, we're close. right about to Thelma and Louise it. It was all necessary. We didn't get into unnecessary That's why we, we need ad sponsors to just like have a clean break, you know? Once. Yeah. Just a break <laughs> just right there. She's going to be like... <laughs> I was about to just like drop a brand name. <laughs> yeah. Okay, volt, uh, VCAs, voltage-controlled amplifiers. And what they do... Do you guys want to talk about it? You want me to kick it off a little bit? Tell kick it me off, everything. Bro. Teach me, man. Well, rather than a group where you send things to it, a voltage-controlled amplifier controls multiple faders on your desk. So let's say you assign all of your drums to VCA1. When you move that VCA fader up and down, it's controlling the level of all your drum faders and it's keeping their relative positions too so like if your hi-hat mic is all the way down and your vca fader is at unity no hi-hat mic is coming through or if your hi-hat mic is all the way up (laughs) and your vca is all the way down then no hi-hat mic is coming through that that makes i don't know why i use that as an example it it does make sense but that was just a terrible terrible example (laughs) these are the two ways you can make no sound thanks brendan (laughs) but actually that brings me to a point that i did want to bring up because don't forget to turn your vca VCA on make sure it's not muted (laughs) know it know if things are assigned to it because sometimes it's not 100 percent obvious Especially, uh, I mean, on digital consoles, sometimes you can actually see like LED reading on the the, the meters, um, but mm. on but sounds not getting out because of VCA. Yeah, might it be might down be down, muted. and you're like, oh my god, what's yeah. going on? Before you go jacking the preamp gain up to you know friggin' four o'clock yeah. or whatever it is, and uh, just check your VCAs. Yeah. So now, now that we've talked about all the things that are bad about VCAs. <laughs> Why don't you tell me what they're actually useful for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. These terrible things. <laughs> no, man. they're great. VCAs are awesome because you can basically control a bunch of faders with one. So, you know, you don't, you don't want to, if you don't want to like run around your desk, if it's a big desk going from one side to the other, especially, you can like be standing right in the center of your desk, which is usually where the VCAs are, and just be like, moving all your guitars up and down um, with the song. So it allows you a lot more control with what's happening. So, I mean, you know, like you said, the relative level is kept there, right? So if you've got, let's say a drum kit, it's an easy example. You got a drum kit and your kick's at unity, your snare's at plus one, your hi-hat's at minus five, right? I want the whole drum kit to be louder. Rather than trying to like get my fingers on all the 
channels that are the drum kit and move them up at exactly the same relative level, you know, because faders aren't linear anyways, yeah. you know, as you're close to unity, you move them an inch, they only do, I don't know, 5, 10 dB. But once you're low, they're doing way more than that. Mm-hmm. So your VCA then gives you one fader you can push up, take the entire drum kit up or down or whatever, and maintain its relative level, like your, like your kick to snare to hi-hat and all that, um, and just turn up the whole thing. Can you do that with a group? Yeah, you could. So what's the purpose in using one versus the other? Joe, why don't you take that part? Well, Brandon's I guess... like, you know, I don't know, man. <laughs> no, 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 I guess no. it just mutes things. <laughs> the, the way I differentiate it is, you know, with a group, you know... Again, digital consoles, what, what's actually happening maybe is, is it's a little bit blurred here. But essentially, you know, with a group, the signal is actually routing from your fader to the group and the group fader and then, you know, on from there, wherever you're assigning it. Whereas a VCA, the signal isn't actually passing through it. It's just controlling what's already going on and adding to or taking away from your fader position. So you don't get something like an insert on a VCA. You can't put an EQ on a VCA. You can't put, you know, things like that. So that's the difference. Um, Yeah, I I like to describe a VCA as a remote control. That's basically what it is, right? So, you know, if we're on analog, um, you know, it is a remote control that is controlling other faders on the desk, right? Those other faders, they don't physically move on most analog desks, but as I move my VCA up and down, it's effectively under the hood, remote controlling that fader, turning it up and down. When you go to, uh, you know, analog studio world, yeah, there are VCAs on SSLs that physically move other faders and on Neve desks. You move them up and down, the other faders actually move. You can see what it's doing. Mm-hmm. But a VCA is effectively a remote control. So like, when it comes to using it, I find it the most useful for controlling stuff that's not on my top layer on my digital desk. So I might have four background vocalists and they're singing or whatever during bits of songs here and there they're not actually on my top level of my console because I have so many other channels that I need to pay attention to. Instead, I have this one VCA fader that I can kind of push up and down with all the background vocalists. Mm -hmm. And it maintains the blend and is beautiful. And you don't need an insert on that. And I don't need an insert on it. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the big difference, right, is that the VCA is the remote control for other channels and the group is actually a pass-through for audio. Audio actually goes through it. So... What do you put on a, a VCA, Joe? Oh, just things that I need to control that I don't have groups for, you know? <laughs> and and would you otherwise put it on a group if you just had enough groups? Yeah, you know, like, I, I just, just to keep it consistent, you know, I just kind of operate in that world. Um, sometimes I'll use VCA groups as mute groups because sometimes like on some analog consoles you know there might be an option to like link that you know or where the mute group is essentially just a vca um so yeah uh, you could you know like you said if you didn't want to go picking around through layers and stuff like that you could do like if you if you have a bunch of effects returns but you don't um, necessarily use them all at the same time um you know you could have vcas for groups of them for different you know applications you know um, one one song, the vocal has a big big delay, big reverb, you know, big dramatic thing, and then another song, it's kind of dry and just has a little room or something to to fill it out. You know, you can just pop those two settings on with you know with one one button push rather than 
you know, again, going mm-hmm. and muting mm-hmm. and un- unmuting with however many returns. But for the most part, you're not really much of a VCA user, huh? N- not, not much, man. Unless, yeah, again, okay. depending on, on the scenario, you know. Analog desks, they, they come into play a lot more, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, your options are limited and, you know... Um, yeah, just depending on the workflow. On an, yeah. an, an analog show, I'd probably put my effects on a VCA. You know, just all of them. You know, right. Um, well, the other the, the other thing are... the other the other point to note though is that okay, on groups on an analog desk, yes, you can put you know compressors, gates, EQs, yeah. but on an analog desk, often the desk doesn't actually have it there. You need to use an external hardware device yeah. for that. So if oh, you yeah, want to put an EQ on a group. You might have to use an outboard EQ. If you want to put yeah. a gate on a group uh, a compressor, it's all going to be outboard. So, yeah, it can be more complicated mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And also, uh, you know, stupid things. Again, going, this is more the analog thing, but um, uh, a lot of times a, a group master on an analog desk is, is kind of small, you know, like a, the group master fader. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's, uh, it's up in the master section and it's, a, it's not a shorter the same. Exactly. It's not the size of a channel fader, where, but then the VCAs will be, you know, in the middle, in the bank, you know, just under the master section, and that's a whole... So you have that whole, this is a Ryan John word, granularity. Um, so that's, that's something to consider, you know? <laughs> totally, totally. Brendan, do you use VCAs more? I do. I use them a ton. I mean, I'll try and put... Try and be able to control my whole mix from VCAs usually. I mean, essentially, what I want to have on there is usually my returns for my delay and my reverb separately um, so mm-hmm. that in between songs I can like bring it up and bring it down. Uh, but then and is also- that is that ultimately about getting that fader into the middle of the desk physically near you? Yeah, for sure. Especially, okay. especially on an analog desk. I mean, and, and then like also on smaller digital desks, I don't want to be banking. Like I, I don't want to be banking. I can do it, but like it's so much easier just to have it there. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I'll try and I'll try and have one for like, I mean, if depending on how many I have, Drums, bass, all guitars, background vocals. Lead lead vocal is important to me too because I'll kind of like ride. I'll ride the lead vocal VCA, um, and then the the effects returns too, so that I can kind of be like controlling that at all times with my ears. And yeah, I was going to say something else. I, I was wondering, do you guys use what I've heard from from other people about VCAs? Is the ability to like put like kind of your like ride your channels into compression on their groups. So people will like push with the VCAs so that it'll push their channels into their groups where they have compressors. That is exactly what I use them for. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think Dave, that's like Dave Ratt's whole thing too, right? I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Probably, probably. But I started doing it. I don't know who said it or what or how it came up. But if you go back to the Heritage and Legend desks, right? The the Midas desks. You had the groups on a row right above your VCAs, right? And on the desk, I'm thinking they were one right above another, basically. So Mm -hmm. I might have a drum VCA that controls my drum inputs. My drum inputs then fed into a drum group. And that group had a compressor on it, right? Mm -hmm. So if I took my VCA and pushed it up, it would just be pushing my drums harder into the compressor. So the compressor would be hitting it, right? But if I wanted my drums actually to get louder, I could take the group and move the group up. So I learned to use that as a dynamic to kind of change what was the intensity of the show. Mm -hmm. If I wanted it to feel more intense, and like we're not talking about changing the volume of the drums. We're talking just about feeling of intensity. 
If I wanted it to feel more intense, I'd take the VCA, push it up so that it's hitting the compressor harder, and I'd take the groups and pull the group down so that the total volume didn't change, but it's getting compressed real hard, mm -hmm. so it feels intense. If I wanted it to feel less intense, I'd do exactly the opposite. I'd take the VCA, pull it back so it's no longer being compressed, and take the group and push it up mm -hmm. so that we'd end up with this like more open sound. And that's something was totally analog. I, I, I totally stole that from the analog world, but I've mm. pulled it into my digital. That's how I work in digital now too. So I have a VCA that is my drum inputs that feed into a drum group that has compression on it. Mm -hmm. So it's like your threshold knob. Kind of, so, yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, like your on gain 1176. Knob too, sort of. It's like on an 1176 or something where you have right. an in and an out. In and and out. there's just like yeah. this invisible threshold. It's mm -hmm. like that. It's, you're kind of yeah. like turning those two at the same time to choose to make it feel more compressed or feel less compressed. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good, that's, that's a good uh, yeah. Uh, metaphor. Yeah, it's, it's the 1176 workflow, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. And it, or it, any it, compressor it, with in and out and no threshold. <laughs> right, and no threshold, exactly. I mean, it, it worked really well for me. I mean... There's a couple other spots where I use VCAs, but for the most part, they're kind of like digital-only workflows. Mm -hmm. So, for example, my PA might be left, right, sub, fill, outfill, mono fill, bar fill, I don't know, however many there is, right? I want one fader that takes my whole PA up and down. Mm -hmm. So I'll take a VCA, assign it to all my uh, output matrices. And you can do that on the digital world. You can mm -hmm. take a VCA and assign it to outputs or groups or things like that. You can't do that in a lot of other places, uh, mm -hmm. analog world. Without just jacking up your master fader. Well, my master fader is not actually my master mix. I've got uh, band, uh, you know, as Brendan mentioned, this is something oh. I've been doing for years. I've got band going into there and then separately right. vocal goes in and they all right. sum at the matrix. Right, 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 right. Forgot. Um, Forgot. But also, I'm if I apply that, that but also, if, if I jack my master fader, I fuck my recording. My recording is post master fader. True. So if I move that, I've now screwed up the whole recording. And what I'm trying mm. to do is just make the PA louder or quieter. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I keep a PA VCA and I usually keep it on like a layer two or somewhere else. But the idea is that if I want the whole thing a little bit louder, a little quieter, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I should probably go to systems and go, hey, can you trim this up a bit? But sometimes I'm just like, shit, I need this right now. You know, like on the downbeat of the start of the show and like mm -hmm. the crowd's going wild and you're like, they hit the first note and you're like, oh God, this is too quiet or this is too loud. You, you just need to be able to trim it up without asking mm. somebody else to do it and taking those, you know, extra minutes. So true, true. That's cool. In those moments, cool. I got my VC. I can just bump it up 2 dB or whatever. And then as the crowd kind of starts to settle, I can pull it back down, you know? Nice. Mm. And then so you're my other you're recording sorry, you are recording your left, right though. Like all your groups are going to the left, right. And that's just like what you're using to record. No, because my record is still built the same way as my matrices, where it's like band bus, which is my left, right, and then I I've see. got vocals that meet there. But if I've got a record matrix that's filled of you know left, right plus group one plus group two plus group three, right. if I take my left, right, and turn it up, I my record's a mess. Right. right. Gotcha. Gotcha. But even even if I was just recording basically my left, right, if I push my left, right up and down, I screw up my record. I'm right. changing the volume of the recording, right? So the one other spot where I um, hooked on VCAs um, is effects, and I don't mean effects returns. I mean effects sends. Sends, yeah. So I don't 
put my returns on a VCA because usually I want the tails of my effects to keep happening. So right. I put the effects send masters into an effects VCA. And when it goes to, uh, I don't know, a song ends or something, I pull that down. You still hear the tails of the reverbs. You still hear the tails of the delay. But then when, you know, my singer or whatever says something again, you don't hear all that stuff. And that has to be a VCA. I can't do that with a group because it's yeah. the sends that are getting remotely controlled at that point, not the returns. Right. I mean, really, that's... I think those are the only two places where, where I like absolutely have to have it. <laughs> I I need my VCAs here. Um, <laughs> you know, it is funny though. I mean, like I, I, I find it hard to explain to people when to use a group and when to use a VCA. I think you just I, did it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Well, I gave you examples. It's but a bit of... It's not really a why, you know? Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that aren't, you know, uh, on, based on why in this... And, you know, there's some creativity here where there's, where the rules are malleable, you know, and there yeah. are no rules. So. Brendan, you were um, going to say something. I feel yeah. Like, uh, I, I mean, I was just going to say it's based on preference too. I mean, obviously if you have a good flow with the VCAs and it's like making your mixes sound better to you and to the band and to the audience, then like. Yeah, yeah, you're using them right. <laughs> that's that's the cool thing about this podcast and this profession because you can you know you can almost never be wrong. It's always just like it depends, man. Uh, it depends. No, no, no. Ryan Sometimes Ryan you're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Brendan was about to rip me on that one. He was no, no, say I, the same thing. no, I I I just saw it coming from a mile away. I was like, Ryan's about to like go in on this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's about to say, "No, you're just wrong." <laughs> I'm about to go. Phase is not polarity. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the one that Brendan's seen me kind of like blow up on. I wouldn't say blow up, but it's, all right, it's fair, a, fair, fair. It's a but, fun you know, one. If, if if I if I had to define when I'd use one versus the other, grouping I'd use when I want to actually affect the audio of the group. VCAs yeah. I want to use when I want remote control of that fader. And at the end of the day, if your desk lets you put eight VCAs in front of you and not some VCAs, some groups or something like that, then you're probably going to want to use VCAs for more stuff because it's about access at the end of the day, right? We want to put mm -hmm. as many kind of things on as few faders so that we have the most control with our eight fingers. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. You only got two hands. You know? Thumbs don't count. <laughs> <laughs> but Does anyone mix with their thumbs? Push, pushing a fader with your thumb. That's, that's creepy. That's like a weird move, you know? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, guys. I don't know if I've ever done cheapies. that. Now that I'm thinking about it, now that you've said it, I'm thinking about it, and as I'm thinking about it, it's something, something about it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. I think, I think we, <laughs> yeah. we need to <laughs> yeah. uh, like patent some thumb extenders so your thumb is like at the same length as your other fingers, so when you're like, oh my God. You, you can get 10 faders in. What would you call uh, that? If, if you made that product, what would you call it? Oh God! The finger. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> give this guy the finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, all right, we've we've kind of defined groups, VCAs. We've even touched a bit on this, but like, what are the major differences here in workflow between digital and analog regarding groups and VCAs? You know, we we went over a lot of them, but just to kind of like put it all in one place, you know, I guess uh, it's. A lot of times in the analog world, it's it has to do with your your limitation of your limitations essentially, and um, kind of making things more convenient ergonomically, getting all the faders in one place. Um, you know, limitations in the sense that you know you might have only this much outboard gear, so you're grouping things together um, 
to uh, get you know multiple sources into a single uh, insert you know at the same time um, things like that I think yeah I think so too <laughs> I feel like yeah I've, I've, I feel like there's more similarities than differences because I feel like in both worlds you're using it to simplify true your true. work yeah. I mean right? yeah yeah, yeah, so I agree with you. I mean, ultimately, yes, right, yeah. the idea is that we got a heap of inputs, we only have a handful of fingers, and, um, you know, we want to take that large amount of inputs and reduce it down to manageable sizes, right? And if we reduce it down in groups of things that make sense, then we can kind of reduce it down and down and down, right? So you might take kick and in, kick out, you might send that to a kick group. And then you might group that with the whole rest of the drum kit. And now you've taken things down from a larger amount of faders to a smaller to an even smaller, right? Yeah. Um, it, I just remembered though, there's there's one, one cool workflow that I've heard from somebody and um, it is using both groups and VCAs wherein you use groups for groups of instrument types, things like, I don't know, keys or guitar or drums or whatever. And then you use VCAs for the player specifically, the actual player mm. on stage. Mm. So you might have Jim's VCA, Bob's VCA, Robbie's VCA. So when Robbie comes up to the front of the stage and starts kicking off a solo, all you got to do is grab Robbie's VCA. It doesn't matter if he picked up the ukulele or the mandolin or the guitar or the whatever it is. When you see him come up there, you push him up and it kind of you know pulls it together. It's, it's, that's a pretty cool way to use it. Yeah, yeah. Kind of differentiate it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, I mean, I, I feel like we uh, went probably way more in depth than we should have on groups and VCAs, and um, now I think we did the perfect. I would say it's, I would say it's closer to the perfect amount as well. Yes, everything we do is perfect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, flawless, flawless, so, including including recording um, audio, which we are supposedly professional. <laughs> no, 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 we're just flawless at blowing computers up. Right, right. <laughs> just, uh, destroy your computer podcast flawless victory oh my god we're going way back yeah. all right so catch us on the next episode the next episode is actually going to be pretty cool there's a lot of fun stuff in there um we keep calling it basic front of house workflows but it's not it's it's this is going to be some deep stuff it's going to be good nice looking forward to catching you guys next uh week month year whenever it is that we actually <laughs> release the next podcast uh find us on that facebook group we set up and uh if you guys want to email us questions, comments, whatever, it's feedback at livesoundbootcamp.com. Yeah, give us some feedback. We're we're curious. We're curious to hear which what anyone listening, you know, I don't know. Give us what you got. Rate and review on Apple. <laughs> All those things. It 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 can only be good things too. Don't tell us anything bad. If you say anything bad, send that directly to Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Take it easy. And girls. Bye. <laughs>